Welcome back to Mark's Madness. Yeah, back at it again. Second back episode of the recording. You know what again. that means. No intros. <sighs> Fine. Yeah. Okay. Right. A leader book. from South Carolina, James H. Campbell, said. I believe that when our votes are admitted into that Congress, if we are tolerably wise, governed by a moderate share of common sense, we will have our own way. That's a that's a nice way to think about it. Yeah. I am speaking now <laughs> not to be reported. Uh-huh. We will have our own way yet. If we are true to ourselves, we know the past. We know not what is to be our future. Are we not in a condition to accept what we cannot help? Are we not in a condition where it is the part of wisdom to wait and give what we cannot avoid giving. I believe as surely as we are people so surely, if we are guided by wisdom, we will be, we will by the beginning of the next presidential election, which is all that is known of the constitution. For when you talk of the constitution of the United States, it means the presidential election and the share of the spoils. Hmm. <laughs> I believe then we may hold the balance of power. That's an interesting sentence. That's a very, very interesting <laughs> for when you talk the of the constitution, constitution of the united states means the presidential election and the share of the spoils that's the entirety again, of the constitution is aligned to give whoever wins the presidential election just universal power that's Fuck nice off. that's totally nice yeah thus gradually the south conceived a picture it deliberately looked backward towards slavery in a day when the two Southern poor whites were presidents of the United States. <sighs> Are we ta what talking about Jackson and. Mm. Oh. I got nothing. Yeah. I'm going to say funny. Polk because Polk just seems like a guy. Yeah. Who was poor? I don't know. I don't know. I got nothing. Um, we'll look up you. Although he was the emancipator, capital E, Abraham Lincoln, too, in many respects, was looking backward toward the past. You don't say, Linko. <laughs> Lincoln's solution for the Negro problem was colonization. <laughs> I can't. I would be. Uh, it'd be funny if it wasn't just depressing. Of. Lincoln's yeah. solution for the Negro problem was colonization. Mm -hmm. Can't make this up, guys. In this respect, he went back to the early 19th century when the American Colonization Society was formed. Oh, dear God, we had a society. Uh, with what proved to be two antagonistic objects. The first was the philanthropic object of removing the Negro to Africa. Oh, good. I do love how white savior this whole sentence is, though. Uh, it, it, it formed with two antagonistic objections. The first was the philanthropic object of removing the Negro to Africa, starting him on the road to an independent culture in his own fatherland. Oh, goody, aren't we doing such good things? Never mind the fact that people probably live there, too. The second and more influential object was to get rid of the free Negro in the United States so as to make the color cast the permanent foundation of American Negro slavery. The Ugh. contradiction of these two objects was the real cause of the failure of colonization. Got, guys, contradictions. They're always going to come together. Got to do that dialectic. Since it early incurred the bitter opposition of both abolitionists and Negro leaders. The result of the movement was the establishment of Liberia in an inhospitable land. Guys, we're going to the Mosquito Lands. Let's go. Um, and without adequate capital and leadership. The survival of that little country to our day is one of the miracles of Negro effort, despite all the propaganda of criticism that has been leveled against the country. I know literally nothing about Liberia, so I'm not going to comment. Sounds when the Negro good. question became prominent before... <laughs> Guys, that's called a growth right there. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> when the Negro question became prominent before the war, the project of colonization was revived. And Abraham Lincoln believed in it as the one means of solving the great race problem involved in the existence of slavery in the United States. Without being an enthusiast, I just thought, he wasn't a fanboy, but he was a firm believer in colonization. He was, he was okay with it. Yeah. In the Lincoln-Douglas debates, you know, that thing y'all heard about in middle school or whatever, Lincoln said at Peoria, Illinois, if all earthly power were given to me, I would not know what to do as to the existing institution. Probably not a great thing to admit when you're running for president, Lincoln. 
Probably not the thing. Maybe want to come up with a plan. My first impulse would be to free all the slaves and then send them to Liberia. To their own native land. This is this is. I good. love I how it's just Italian like a throwaway back? answer. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd probably give them to Liberia or some shit. I <laughs> deport. I would deport all of them to a unknown land that none of them have ever lived on or have any connection to, because it makes me feel better, and that's what really counts here. Um, <coughs> God damn. Uh, <laughs> but a moment's reflection would convince me that whatever of high hope as I think there is, there may be in this, in the long run, its sudden execution is impossible. Oh my God. So he doesn't think that there's anything wrong with it except that he can't pull it off. Jesus That's his Christ. only issue with this. This is this is the modern day. It, it's a more gross, more grotesquely racist uh, version of Democrats only disliking Trump because he's incompetent. It's, it's like the ex- the pro-slavery version of that. Yeah. If they were all landed there in a day, they would all perish in the next 10 days. Oh, Lincoln, Lincoln, my buddy, please stop. And there would not, there are not surplus shipping and surplus money enough in the world to carry them there in many times 10 days. <laughs> Sir, but the national just debt talking would about, But we don't have enough boats to move them, guys. That's the problem. Stop worrying about the logistics. There's bigger issues. The root of your problem is flawed. The curtains are not the issue. What then? Free them all and keep them among us as underlings? Oh, man. The first half of that sentence sounded great. Why was the second half needed? Um, Is it quite certain that this betters their condition? Well, maybe if you removed the underlings part, you asshat. (laughs) Jesus. Is it quite certain that this better is our condition? I think that I would not hold one in slavery at any rate. Oh, <laughs> the great emancipator, ladies and gentlemen. Not 100% sure, but he doesn't think he'd have slaves. Yet I the point is not clear would. enough for me to denounce people upon both sides, gang. Both sides. There's some very fine people that have slaves. You can't judge them very all. Very fine, upstanding people that have slaves. What next? free them and make them politically and socially our equals you're getting warmer my own feelings will not admit of this and if mine would we well know that those of the great mass of whites will not so not only do i think it's a bad idea but polls say it's a bad idea too (laughs) hi my name's abraham lincoln and i'm a robot made by rasmussen hello abraham nate silver lincoln oh no Oh, you've conjured the worst image in the history of time. <laughs> the very Nate first Silver, Vox article. <laughs> Nate Silver with a stovepipe hat for this for this episode. Just doing it right now. Doing it right now. You now have to have done a planter's peanut in a seersucker suit and oh Nate Silver wearing a stovepipe hat. You should stop making these references. You're just hurting yourself. <laughs> Later, speaking at Springfield, Illinois, Lincoln declared that the separation of races is the only perfect preventative of amalgamation. Hmm. He could have just said miscegenation and, and, and got to the point of yeah. it. He didn't have to use the bigger, scarier words. Several prominent Republicans espoused deportation in 1859. F.B. Blair of Missouri. Hey-o, so proud of this wrote state. To, wrote to Senator Doolittle of Minnesota. Oh, Ferguson and Minneapolis, unite! I am delighted that you are pressing the colonization scheme in your campaign speeches. Oh, good. (laughs) I'm so happy that you brought up the colonization scheme. In your campaign speeches! This is the equivalent of of someone of like, uh, of like, Claire McCaskill writing that one weird dude on Twitter that's like QAnon running for Senate or the House in Alabama and just posting like, I eat andochrome and liberal tears for breakfast. Bring it on. If y'all haven't figured that guy out, go go just roam Twitter for like 20 minutes and you'll find him. He just pops into your feed somehow. Um, but that guy's something. I am delighted that you're pressing the colonization scheme in your campaign speeches. I touched upon it three or four times in my address in Minnesota. And if I am any judge of effect, it is the finest theme with which to get at the hearts of the people. And it can be defended with success at all points, except all the ones that we've brought up here yeah. on this dumb, dumb show yeah. in the closet. Um, I made it the culminating point and an, an inevitable result of Republican doctrine. Build the wall. Build the uh, wall. It's the same fucking mentality. It is. It really is. It's, there's nothing different. 
When the general strike of slaves began during the war and the black fugitives began to pour into federal lines, Lincoln again brought forward his proposal of colonization, doubling down, doubling mm-hmm. down, uh, not simply for the freedmen, but for such free Negroes as should wish to emigrate. He suggested an appropriation for acquiring suitable territory and for other expenses. Oh, God, we're going back to South America. By an act of April 1862, which abolished slavery in the District of Columbia, Congress made an appropriation of 100000 for voluntary Negro immigrants at an expense of $100 each. Here's $100. <laughs> Start a new life. Bye. <laughs> No, we didn't teach you to read or write or anything like that. Goodbye. We gave you $100. We gave you $100. We gave you $1,200 to kick back off the economy. That'll last you five months. Yeah, that'll last you for four months. Uh, July 16th, an additional appropriation of 500000 was made at Lincoln's request. Ooh. The president was authorized to make provision for transportation, colonization, and settlement in some tropical country beyond the limits of the U.S. We don't give a shit where it is. Yep. Just go south. Hey, is that Tropico Island from the games with the guy? Is that available? Can we use that? Oh, that's made up? Oh, fuck. All right, cool. Find one of the banana ones. Uh, do, do a banana one. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> such persons of African race made free by provisions of this act as may be willing to immigrate, having first obtained the consent of the government of said country to their protection and settlement within the same with all rights and privileges of freedmen. What country are you going to going like, hey, hey, can we send all these people we don't want your way? Um, you're cool with that, right? That That's no issue for you. You're very okay you, with that. You promise real hard you'll make them free. Promise real hard. Yeah. Yeah. Real. Just for like two seconds so I can feel good about this and, and ease my ease my guilty conscience. This this giant hat weighs heavy on my head. Please lift, lift this burden. By an act of July 17th, 1862, so like four months later, the president was authorized to colonize Negroes made free by the Confiscation mm-hmm. Acts. Proceeds from confiscated property were to replace monies appropriated for colonization. Charles Sumner vigorously attacked these plans. Hello, Charles. Welcome back. Yeah. He said colonization was unwise. Again, another another nice tick for Sumner. Yeah. I'm here with you, Sumner. I like it. Because besides its intrinsic and fatal injustice, I love how he starts with that part. Good good thinking out, Sumner. Not because we don't have enough boats. Um, (laughs) You will deprive the country of what it needs most, which is labor. Well, fuck. There's the problem with Charles Charles Sumner. Charles, you had me for a goddamn second, and then you had to do that heel turn halfway through the sentence, didn't you? Those freedmen on the spot are better than mineral wealth. Charles, stop it! Each is a mine. No, Charles! Stop the analogy. Out of which riches can be drawn, provided you let him share the product, and through him the general industry will be established, which is better than anything but virtue, and is indeed a form of virtue. Charles was... Charles the worst way really to try and do something does the right believe way. in that free market. He really, truly does. Like, hey, oh, so desperately, desperately. I mean, look, man, you give these guys some humanity. You don't deport them. You give them some of the share. Cool. I mean, you know, maybe you exploit them for like seventy yeah, percent of what they're worth or something like that. You know, whatever they, they get, what they're worth, right? Yeah. Now, the other thing that I have to wonder here is: is this? I think this explains a lot about Elon Musk. Because <laughs> that I is a think, hugely well. Hold on, we, there are very obvious holes in Charles Sumner, as you can see from this last sentence. But to leap to Elon fucking Musk, <laughs> well, follow me here. Elon only read that one sentence where oh, it said that each freedman is better than mineral wealth, and they're a mine with which riches can be drawn from. And he just thinks that all workers are apartheid emerald mines that if he works them hard enough, he will get more of his apartheid chaos emeralds. And so he is mining them diligently, uh, attempting to get more of those emeralds out. He's like Bitcoin mining his employees. Yeah. I think that must be what Elon thinks he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think, I think other than other than reaping the benefits of fascist Bolivia, um, that's, that's pretty well his MO. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. We didn't we didn't coup that country so he could uh, pillage their lithium mines. That would be stock, silly. His stock didn't immediately explode to like five times the value and stay up there. Nope. No. I think it's no. more like ten times, actually. I probably underestimated don't that. Don't be silly. <laughs> oh. So anyway, in several cases, President Lincoln interviewed delegations on the subject. 
He believed that a good colonization scheme would greatly encourage voluntary emancipation in the border states. Look, you can make them go away. Just follow, follow suit, follow our example. Uh, he spoke to the border state representatives and said that room in South America for Negro colonization could be obtained cheaply. He received in August 1862 a committee of colored men headed by E.M. Thomas and urged colonization on account of the difference of race. Uh, should the people of your race be colonized and where? Why should they leave the, this country? You and we are different races. We have between us broad differences that exist between almost any other two races. Certainly wherever you land, there won't be any of that. Just here. Just definitely here. Uh, wherever it is right or wrong, I need not discuss. This isn't, this isn't worth meeting out. I'm right. Just trust me. This, let's go. <laughs> But this physical difference is a great disadvantage to us both, as I think. Your race suffers very greatly, many of them, by living among us, while ours suffers from your presence. Oh, this is, that's really Uh-oh. both sides in it right there. Uh-oh. Holy Uh-oh. fuck. Uh-oh, oopsie doodles. <laughs> like, look, look, I know, I know we enslave you and murder you and exploit you, but you, you really chap our asses too. You, you really do. In a word, we suffer on each side. Yeah, oh, there we go. There, I called it both sides he again. Holy shit. He, bo- he literally both sides it. If this is admitted, it, in, it affords a reason why we should be separated. If we deal with those who are free at the beginning and who intellects are clouded by slavery, we have very poor material to start with. If intelligent colored men, such as are before me, would move into this matter, it might be accomplished. We need you. We need the smart, the smart black people to lead the dumb black people. Heard your sheep. I got, I got nothing. Yeah. Um, I got, I got nothing. A bill was introduced to the house in 1862, appropriating 200 million, 200 million no. to 20 million. How the no. fuck is that number? Well, I mean, there's a hyphen and there's a bunch of uh, zeros. It says 200 million to 20 million, but that's not how you do numbers. You don't go. That's not you how don't any numbers work. Down like that. That's got to be like. I genuinely think the original. I think it's two to 20 million. I really do. I would think it's. I think it's. Yeah, I think it's two to 20 million. That makes more sense. Especially with the number. Tw- the gap between two to 20 is 18 million. The gap between 220 <laughs> is 80 million. And, and you I don't find it harder down. to believe in. In the big old timey terms, I don't think they were. I, I I find it more likely to believe that Doctor Du Bois had a bad editor yeah. than that they were that bad at budgeting. Okay, well let's assume it's two to twenty million. House in eighteen sixty two appropriating two to twenty million to colonize, and the rest purchased six hundred thousand slaves from unionist owners and border states. Don't worry, we'll buy the slaves. We've we've set the money aside. We'll just we'll buy them from you. It's cool. Uh, the bill yeah. was the bill was not passed, but the committee made an elaborate report. On colonization in 18, July 16th, 1862. Oh, they voted down our colonial bill. God damn it, guys. Uh, the most formidable difficulty which lies in the way of emancipation it, in most, if not all of the slave states, is the belief which obtains, especially among those who own no slaves, that if the Negroes shall become free, they must still continue to be in our midst and in some measure be made equal to the Anglo-Saxon race. The belief in the inferiority of the Negro race is indelibly fixed upon the public mind. Well, gee, I wonder why when you enslave them in front of people, uh, the differences of the races separate them with a wall of fire. There is no instance in history where liberated slaves have lived in harmony with their former masters when denied equal rights. But the Anglo-Saxon will never give his consent to Negro equality, and the recollections of the former relation of the master and slave will be perpetuated by the changeless color of the Ethiop's skin. The e- like they're Ethiopian. Like they call Ethiopian. Them, yeah, I never heard them called the Ethiop. I'm worried about them being derogatory. Um, <laughs> it's, I'm sure. It's probably I think it's, it's, maybe it's an ethnicity in some way. I don't know. It's yeah, weird. yeah. Let's go with that. Let's go. You know what? Let's go with that. Yeah, and okay. uh, if it's a if it's a wild slur, um, we're gonna edit it out of the episode. Yeah, so we're, we're fine. Well, yeah, we're, it's it's either just an old timey thing, or it's a wild slur, and none of you heard this. Yeah, <laughs> emancipation therefore without colonization could offer little to the Negro race. A revolution of the blacks might result, but only after their undoing. To appreciate and understand this difficulty is only necessary for one to observe that in proportion to the legal barriers established by slavery 
have been removed by emancipation, the prejudice of caste becomes stronger and public opinion more intolerant to the Negro race. If you don't let them be subhuman, which is exactly what taught us that they're subhuman, we'll make sure we think they're subhuman and get real violent, guys. Which, I mean, as we talked about, terrifyingly kind of happened. Um, it is simply a uh, an archaic form of referring to a native inhabitant of Ethiopia or a dark-skinned person of any kind. It's just uh, a old-timey way of saying it. It is not, okay. a, not considered a slur. Uh, it comes from the Latin based for charred complexion, Ethiops. Okay. Um, I, I'm still, I only read that in context, and I will not use that going forward. Yeah, <laughs> in no, anyway, I'm not going to like, incorporate it uh, as my new way of saying, hey, look at those Ethiops over there, <laughs> because why would you? But yeah, yeah. But we probably, I don't think yeah. we have to cut it for being a wild slur. Okay, that's that's good. <laughs> Feel comfortable. There's some bad things in this book, so yeah, um, lots of them. Lots of them. <laughs> uh, in his second annual message, December first, eighteen sixty-two, the president referred to communications from colored men who favored immigration and to protest and to protest from several South American countries against receiving Negroes. They didn't want our black people. That's very weird. I don't know why people keep not wanting to just have a bunch of people uh, uprooted and then move to uh, their country with no like recompense or or any any way to you know reconcile those weird. We're gonna give them hundred dollar gift cards to Old Navy, Nathan. It will be okay. Hundred dollar means tested voucher box for the company store yeah they'll be fine yeah uh he requested further appropriations for colonizing free negroes with their own consent but showed a deviation from his former philosophy and back to quotes i cannot make it better known that it than it already is that i strongly favor colonization i just be very clear if anyone asks you about lincoln like good page 148 just point them to page 148 uh yep. and, and yet i wish to say that there is an objection urged against free colored persons remaining in the country which is largely imaginary if not sometimes malicious it is insisted that their presence would injure and displace white labor more by being free than remaining slaves there's no explainable reason on how that's true so yes i at least i agree with lincoln that that, yeah. that perception is imaginary but it's hard to shake uh if they stay in their old places they jostle no white laborers. Uh, don't uh, agree with that. Uh, if they leave uh, their old places, they leave them open to white laborers. Um, logically, Link then he's just trying to do that thing where he doesn't take a stance on fucking anything. Cause yeah, because he's, he's a chicken shit. Uh, logically, then there is neither more or less of it. Emancipation, even without deportation, would probably enhance the wages of the white laborer and very surely would not reduce them. Again, I agree that's true, except for the select few uh, who would be overseers and shit. Uh, Reduce the supply of black labor by colonizing the black labor out of the country, and precisely so much you can increase the demand for wages of the white labor. Ah, so you just – I don't care what happens to the black people. I just want to make sure white labor definitely gets gets its due. Not black people, but just, you know, the white oh, people. Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. no. Yeah. This Again, none of this has to do with black people. We don't think they're human. Yeah, yeah. This is just about that centering the white people. It's, it's, it's all good. It's good. Uh, several negotiations were begun with foreign countries that owned colonies in the West Indies and South American countries. Yeah, they're going to be really receptive to these black freedmen. Just uh-huh. super receptive. Uh, the cabinet discussed the matter. Bates wanted compulsory deportation, but the president objected to this. Finally, he settled on two projects, one in Panama and the other in the West Indies, where an island was ceded by Haiti an adventure was seated by like Haiti gave up an island. That seems weird. Sounds that way. Uh, an adventurer named cock K O C K. It's not I'm Coke. That child. would be K O C A. I'm a child. Yeah, no, I know. I know, but it's, it's closer to Coke. Like the evil Coke foods all own all the right wing think tank shitheads. Uh, but it's a K at the end, not an H uh, undertook to carry 5,000 colored immigrants to the island. But the result was a fiasco, and a large number of the four hundred, and a large number of the four hundred actually set sent died of disease and neglect, and were finally brought back to the United States on a war vessel. That's kind of sad. Um, mosquito lands, yeah. Again, I'm feeling something along those lines. Yeah, a lot of mosquito lands vibes. Uh, as late as April 1865, President Lincoln said to General Butler, "But what shall we do with the Negroes after they are free?" 
inquired Lincoln. I can hardly believe that the South and the North can live in peace unless we get rid of the Negroes. Thanks, Lincoln. Oh, my God, Lincoln. Thanks, Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah, just just super. What a good dude. What a good guy. Quiet, part, out, loud, yeah. top five president on Mount Rushmore. Why? Yeah. Why? Why? Certainly, they cannot if we don't get rid of the Negroes whom we have armed and dis- disciplined and who have fought with us to the amount, I believe, of some 150,000 men. I believe that it would be better to export them all to some fertile country with a good climate, which they could have to themselves. You have been staunch friend of the race, and at the time you first advised me to enlist them at New Orleans, you have had a great deal of experience in moving bodies of men by water. Your movement upon the uh, up the James was a magnificent one. Now we shall have no use for a very large navy, and then our difficulties in sending the blacks away. Well, what then are our difficulties in sending the blacks away? We got. We'll have plenty of boats. The whole we boat got issue. The boats is, this those, time. Those, I solved our boat problem. That's right. Those idiots are just worried about us not having enough boats. Well, actually, let's let's fact check this. Um, so Snope says we have enough boats. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Mr. B- General Butler, as did you hear? I've got, I've got just enough boats. I remember when you piloted that small vessel up the the James River and did so. Now, can you boat captain uh, half a million uh, human beings to another land? Kind of do a reverse slave trade thing. Take them to a nice place where it's sunny that they'll enjoy. Don't give them any money though. We've got those means tested gift cards. Those are coming in the mail. <laughs> I wish you would examine the question and give me your views upon it and go into the figures as you did before some degree so as to show whether the Negroes can be exported. Can we give them all $100 Applebee's gift cards and dump them in Panama? What do you think? Panama! Boop, 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 boop. Butler replied, I will go over this matter with all diligence and tell you my conclusions as soon as I can. Yeah, sure. I'll get to that. Whatever, Lincoln. Get, yeah, Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get right. By when, the way, when I get, I'll get right on that. <laughs> the, subtitle, the subtitle of this episode is just going to be a man, a plan, a canal, Panama, because it's a, it's a giant ass palindrome. And I love it. And it fits. The second day after the Butler... After that, Butler called early in the morning and said, Mr. President, I've gone very carefully over my calculations as to the power of the country to export the Negroes of the South. And I assure you that using all of your naval vessels and all of the merchant marine to fit across the seas with safety, it will be impossible for it. Look, dumbass. (laughs) No. (laughs) Hey, Linko. Hey, Linko. Crunch the numbers. Yank out enough boats. It will be impossible. We have to do this all at once, or everyone will realize it's a bad idea. Yeah. It'll be impossible for you to transport to the nearest place that can be found fit for them, and that is the island of San Domingo. Half as fast as Negro children will be born here. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Oh, my Jesus. God. The whole fact is like, nah, man, no, nah, you could get a couple of them over, but then they're just going to have babies, and then we got more of them to carry. It's a never ending cycle. We're just going to, we've we created a perpetual motion machine of hauling people across the seas. I don't know I how just, time or, or anything works. I'm, I'm I just a guy. Get this, I've just got this visual of him like taking 10 black people on a ship and dropping them on an island and coming back and opening the door, and there's 20 and him being like, what the hell happened? <laughs> I don't get how, Guys, San Domingo, uh, we're talking about Saint Domain, right? We're talking about like right off Haiti. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's like that- what a like a couple hundred miles or like a couple thousand miles off the coast of Florida. It's not that yeah. fucking far. No, that's pretty darn close. How there, long yeah. does he think it takes people to reproduce? <sighs> I don't know. How do boats want work? To know, I don't. I don't know, know a lot of things right now, but someone is confused. I feel like we're probably overlooking some super racist. They breed like rabbits trope, but. Either way, okay, I'm I confused. get that. That's fine. Let's assume they are dumb and they think that. I you've you've been alive long enough to know that like gestation is a certain period of time. Like sure. it doesn't change yeah. or anything like no, that. I get that. So, Mr. Butler, I secede the floor to you. Yeah, no, it's it's mind bending. All right, uh, the Secretary of the Interior in December 1863 reported that the Negroes were no longer willing to leave the United States and that they were needed in the army. For these reasons, he thought that they should not be forcibly deported. (laughs) (laughs) The only reason we're not doing it is because we do need them to fight. Yeah. By the way, you're deporting all of the people willing to fight for us. That's kind of a bad idea, Lincoln. 
Uh, Super bad idea, Linko. On July 2nd, 1864, all laws relating to Negro colonization were repealed. Lincoln was impressed by the loss of capital invested in slaves, but curiously never seemed to seriously consider the correlative loss of wage and opportunity of slave workers, the tangible results of which of whose exploitation had gone into the planter's pockets for two centuries. No one had reparations. No one had even thought about what reparations would be. No one had even thought about how much wealth had transferred on the backs of slaves to build this country. That just didn't. And I, I bet you it's not that he didn't cross his mind. That's very nice of Du Bois to put here. I bet it's that he did not give a shit. Oh, yeah, it, it crossed his mind. He just couldn't have cared less. Yeah. A.K. Mcclure, uh, I'm going with a relative of our good friend Mikhail from Russia. Oh, that's, I was that's going with a relative from- of Troy McClure from uh, The Simpsons. See, we've all combined them together. So it's 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 he has his uncle, his uncle Mikhail over in Russia and uh, and his other his other uncle in The Simpsons. We're going with this one uh, says sometime in August 1864, I spent an hour or more with him alone at the White House. And I then, for the first time, spoke with frankness on the subject of restoring the insurgent states. It's good. I feel like Lingo needs some some frankness in his life. He startled me by his proposition <laughs> that he had carefully written out in his own hand on a sheet of notepaper proposing to pay the South four hundred oh, million God. for the loss of their slaves. Jesus fuck you so fuck much. Lincoln. You so hard abraham lincoln he was then a candidate for re-election and grave doubts were entertained until after sherman's capture of atlanta and sheridan's victories in the valley as to the result of the contest between lincoln and mcclellan and he well knew that if public announcement had been made of his willingness to pay the south 400 million for emancipation it would have defeated him overwhelmingly <laughs> he knows no one would have supported this stupid he bullshit knows that this is dumb as hell but somehow on the back of his napkin math the same napkin that calculated one person equal 10 boats i got this he's come up with 400 million dollars oh god this project of compensation for lost capital invested in slaves was permanently dropped and lincoln had to turn to the question of what the relation of the seceded states to the union once the war ended or lincoln just could not pay his reparations plantation could not give away half a billion dollars his colonization plan fell through just everything is going to shit for this poor guy it's almost like nothing abraham lincoln ever had an original thought about was a good idea (laughs) or effective (laughs) or like a thing it's weird how this keeps happening Lincoln had turned to the question, yeah, of what to do with them when they returned to the Union. The situation was absolutely unique. You're right. No one has ever had a civil war. This is a first, guys. American <laughs> no exceptionalism. One, I will say, no one has won a civil war with a leader as cowardly as Lincoln before this. That's, no, that's no, one, no one with as chicken shit an executive as uh, Abraham Lincoln has ever actually succeeded at winning a civil war. It was impossible to appeal to constitutional precedents. Oh my God. They had a bigger boner for that thing then, too. Get over it. It's a fucking piece of paper. Make up new rules. For the Constitution never contemplated anything like the things that had happened between 1861 and 65. <laughs> the Constitution like you- never contemplated freeing of slaves. Gee, I wonder fucking why. Marx never considered blank, and the Constitution never contemplated the Civil War. This is These are our memes that we're left with, people. Um, the grave question of the future relation of the seceded states to the union could not be settled by Lincoln's pragmatic procedure, <laughs> a.k.a. wuss out on every idea and just do whatever the popular opinion I know, is. I know Du Bois is using it sarcastically, but I am so used to shit eating headlines that when I see like pragmatic procedure, it just it comes off like the word controversial. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it must be viewed as it must be visioned as a whole and put into law and logic towards this lincoln was moving slowly and tentatively seeking a formula that would work and yet be just all men of all colors and consistent with the legal fabric of the nation oh god all right guys we got we got some declarations coming up here get ready oh boy charles sumner first laid down a comprehensive formula february 11th 1862 quote one resolved (laughs) 
<laughs> that any vote of secession or any other act by a state hostile to the supremacy of the Constitution within its territory is inoperative and void against the Constitution. Constitution rules the end. And when sustained by force becomes a practical abdication by the state of all rights under the Constitution, while the treason it involves works instant forfeiture of all functions and powers essential to the continued existence of the state as a body politic, so that from such time forward the territory falls under the exclusive jurisdiction of Congress as other territory and the state becomes, according to the language of the law, a, a, a law word that looks like blowjobs or something. Uh, fellow um, de say. Sure. This plan was too radical for Lincoln. Of course it was. (laughs) Calling traitors treasonous was a little too much for Lincoln. There were good people on both sides. Um, Uh, But that's well. Hold on. Before we get too far, too, I I just factoid a fellow day say means like you're a fella. You're against the law. Um, It's it's just old Latin. Cool. Um, so like like you're the, it, not you're against the like I accuse you of breaking the law, but like you did this to yourself. Like, hey, dumbass, you put yourself on the in, on the other side of the law, kind of thing. Uh, and in his wishy washiness, he uh, proceeded to appoint military governors in Tennessee, North Carolina, Arkansas, and Louisiana, where the Union armies held part of the states. During that summer, he corresponded with Southern friends in Louisiana. (laughs) And in December, due to his pressure, two members of Congress were elected in Louisiana from New Orleans and its suburbs, which was the only part under the control of the Union Army. Mm -hmm. The Confederate legislature was meeting simultaneously at Shreveport. Why is there a Confederate legislature? What year is this? Have they not? Have they lost that? No. All right. It's 1862. I guess that. Yeah, they haven't lost yet. Um Okay, so this is still, we're doing like a lot of Tarantino shit. We're going backwards and forwards, and I don't know exactly where we are. I guess the chapter is called Looking Backwards, so I should get my handles Yeah, on. the next one I think is called Looking Forward, so there, you're, you're yeah, real Tarantino. Just, oh, yeah. yeah, it's going to screw with me hard. Um, the Confederate legislator was meeting, and Shre- at Shreveport declared, one, every citizen, Negroes were not citizens, should vote who had not forfeited his citizenship by electing to adhere to the government of the United States. That it's Five, so, that's yeah. a pretty big thing to just shove in parentheses, by the way. Oh, by oh, the yeah, way, black yeah. people aren't citizens. Just, just uh, anyway. well, <laughs> I believe that that's Du Bois's insert. Oh, like, yeah, no, every I'm sure, citizen. Yeah, I'm sure it is. It's just like, yeah, damn, that's pretty big deal. $500,000 were voted to pay for slaves lost by death or otherwise while impressed on the public works. Mm. Good. Any slave bearing arms against the inhabitants of the state or the Confederate states or who should engage in any revolt or rebellion or insurrection should be suffered death. They're just kill them. Mm. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, the two Louisiana congressmen were admitted to Congress with some hesitation. You don't say. The two guys from the middle of a state in open insurrection weren't uh, weren't super super cool to be around. Interesting. Um, and Lincoln was encouraged to make further experiment along this line. In his message of December eighth, eighteen sixty three, therefore he outlined a general plan of reconstruction. Oh, let's see what Lincoln's not fully thought out, but sort Here of haphazard plans are, guys. I'm pretty sure the math on it will be super good. I, the math guys we have 500,000 states and if we put all those states in a boat we can take these states somewhere better I promise you we're doing it we're going to space he regarded the states as still existing even during the war so and he the rebellion did miscount the states there you go he did <laughs> <laughs> that was the rebellion was a combination of disloyal persons in the states. Yeah, Lincoln, that's what a it's, fucking civil war is. It's just, it's just the bad cops. It's what it is, Nate. It's just the bad it's like corporations are. It's like corporations are people, and there's just a yeah. couple of these people that are bad. It's not the whole people. <laughs> you got to look at it. It's all still there. It's just, uh, it's just crony slaveholding, Nathan. Is oh, what it is. Yeah. God crony chattel slavery let's go guys um oh god uh reconstruction was an executive problem which consisted in creating a loyal class in the states good guys so we have the working class the the ruling class and the loyal class let's add a new one um and supporting that class by military power until it organized and operated the state government you're talking about coups lincoln you're talking about coups that's all you're doing is just saying, I want to coup back a state. 
Leave the slavery, you, by the way. Just adamantly was, leave the slavery. Lincoln was trying to create an NED, but for the southern states of America. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> um, the loyal class was to swear allegiance to the United States into the act. Oh, we're getting to the 10% plan. This is the 10% fucking plan right here is what this is. The loyal class was to swear allegiance to the United States to the acts of Congress unless they were held void or changed. <laughs> okay. they're, they're supposed to swear allegiance unless anything gets in their way and then just what though i don't care Get and then whoops a doodles yeah. unless it gets difficult then bail <laughs> it's, it's and all person i will die for you unless i have to like you know get hurt at all or maybe die then i don't care all persons could take this oath unless they were civil officials of the confederate government or military officers above the rank of colonel or lieutenant in the navy or unless they had resigned from the congress or the united states court or from army and navy in order to aid the rebellion or unless they hadn't treated colored soldiers or the leaders of colored soldiers as prisoners of war oh my god oh my god lincoln you you want to know how you know that lincoln really was a democrat in the traditional sense that is the most means tested statement in the history of fucking time it really is shit it really is such a loyal class he was prepared to recognize in arkansas nope Nope, bad start, Linko. Nope. Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, and North Carolina. When they formed not less than one-tenth of the votes cast in the state at the presidential election of 1860. Lincoln was careful to say that whether members who went to Congress from any of these states would be admitted or not rested exclusively with Congress and not the president. So he's like, guys. I'm totally chill if you want to come back and vote. Um, but just know that it's not my decision. It's mom's decision. And mom's still really pissed at you for that whole like rebellion thing. So we're cool, but I like, I can't promise it's going to be cool. You know what I mean? All right. All right. Virginia was not included because Lincoln had already reorganized the government at Alexandria as the true government of Virginia during the war and therefore assumed that Virginia needed no reconstruction. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, Virginia's fine. Nothing needed there. It's cool. But was to be treated like Kentucky and Missouri. Not a thing you want to be treated like, I promise you. No. (laughs) Of course, the support of a government consisting of only one-tenth of its voters had to come from the outside. This is definitely, this is the the layout of the 10% plan, and it gets worse with every detail. It is! And the more you talk about it, it's just the, like, standard model for the United States over, like, regime, it's just the standard regime change model. Lincoln invented the regime change model. (laughs) He just did it internally first. Oh, God. Uh, And, of course, that is from the Federal Army. In his accompanying a proclamation of the same date, the president also engaged by this proclamation not to object to any provision which might be adopted by such state governments in relation to the freed people of the states which should organize and declare their permanent freedom and provide for present condition as a laboring, landless, and homeless class. Interesting. Interesting Lincoln. Here emerged a clear feature of the Lincoln plan, which has not been emphasized on this matter of the freedom of the Negroes and a real, not a nominal freedom. Abraham Lincoln was adamant in December 1863. His message contained an unusually forceful and luminous expression of the principles embraced in the proclamation. The president referred to the dark and doubtful days which followed the announcement of the policy of emancipation and of the employment of black soldiers, the gradual justification of those acts by the success which the national arms had since achieved, of the change of the public spirit of the border states in favor of emancipation, the enlistment of black soldiers and their efficient and creditable behavior in arms, the absence of any tendency to servile insurrection or to violence and cruelty among the Negroes, the sensible improvement in the public opinion of Europe and of America. Uh, just and a just, footnote, uh, if a guy is going to go down as your all-time great leader, you don't want someone talking about how he's unusually forceful in his in actually ha- expressing his principles. That's not a good descriptor. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to have a run here to the end of the episode. There's a long section for Lincoln, so bear with us. Here we go. In justification of his requiring in the oath of amnesty a submission to and support of the anti-slavery laws and proclamations, he said... 
Those laws and proclamations were enacted to put forth for the purpose of aiding in the suppression of the rebellion. To give them their fullest effect, there had to be a pledge for their maintenance. In my judgment, they have aided and will further aid the cause for which they were intended. To now abandon them would not only to be to relinquish a lever of power, but would also be a cruel and astounding breach of faith. One of those should matter a fuck of a lot more than the other, Linko, <laughs> and I have a feeling you've got your priorities mixed up. <laughs> the reception of Lincoln's message to Congress in December 1863 was enthusiastic. Men acted as though the millennium had come. God, I promise you guys, it was not that exciting. Uh, Chandler was delighted. Sumner was joyous, apparently forgetting for the moment his doctrine of state suicide. Uh, I am interested in that. Yeah. Uh, while at the other, yeah, let's get that going. I think that was talking um, about like you you give up your rights if you succeed. Yeah, you forfeit everything. Yeah. I, I like that better. Um, while at the other political poll, Dixon and Reverdy Johnson... I, I got nothing. It's Rafferty Johnson. Yeah, I know. Said the message was highly satisfactory. Henry Wilson said that to the president's secretary, he has struck another great blow. Tell him for me. God bless him. The effect was similar in the House of Representatives. George S. Boutwell, who represented the extreme anti-slavery element of New England, said, It is a very able and shrewd paper. It has great points of popularity. And it is right. <laughs> Owen Lovejoy. <laughs> that's an outstanding praise. That, yeah, yeah it's, that's it's nice. It's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Grammar was solid. <laughs> Owen Lovejoy, the leading abolitionist of the West, seemed to be on the mountain. The feet of one bringing good tidings. I shall live, he said, to see slavery ended in America. That's more the attitude I was looking for yeah. out of our first gentleman. A little more of that. Francis W. Kellogg of Michigan. Um, I know for a fact that the uh, Kellogg's family is from Michigan, and I am worried that this guy is involved in that fucked up crazy lineage. Jesus. Um, <laughs> And, and I'm almost positive he is. Holy shit. Go listen to the dollop episode on cereals. Holy shit. Um, he went shouting about the lobby. The president is the only man. <laughs> Guys, uh, there's a period there. You would think there'd be like nothing and there'd be like an addi additive there. No, no. This, this cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs gentleman ran out into the lobby and said the president is the only man. Full stop. There is none like him in the world. He sees more widely and more clearly than any of us. Guys, this is the same dude that couldn't count the number of boats to try and do this weird <laughs> deportation scheme. This is their this is this is insane. I'm this is less than a page after a book. the details of the 10% plan that were worse than the they overarching how dumb this motherfucker was, and this is the reception he was getting. Henry T. Blow my new favorite name the <laughs> radical member from st louis oh yeah baby all right i'm here for this um who was six months later denouncing mr lincoln as a traitor to freedom i really like this guy let's go mr blow said god bless old abe i am one of the radicals who have always believed in him nope 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 you did it you did it wrong you did it wrong mr blow <laughs> horace greeley who was on the floor of the house went so far as to say the message was devilish good devilishly um, good <laughs> not devilishly good devilish good oh okay because come on now <laughs> we gotta throw some twine there the causes of this jubilation however were dangerously diverse the abolitionists saw mainly the determination of lincoln utterly to abolish slavery which we knew he wasn't yeah. he had never believed in full negro citizenship he had tried desperately to win the war without negro soldiers and he had emancipated the slaves only as a matter of military necessity on the other hand, Lincoln learned, he stood now for abolishing slavery forever. He gave full credit and praise to Negro soldiers, and he was soon to face the problem of Negro citizenship. Ooh. And that is where we're going to leave it for this Ooh, week. Ooh, that's a cliffhanger. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, because we've got some uh, some <laughs> some difficult things to deal with coming up, I have a feeling, yeah. without, again, having read any far ahead, but... So, that being said, this has been Mark's Madness. Um, I'm almost positive we got something wrong there. We talked for quite a <laughs> while, um, and I'm sure I said something dumb. Um, and it, as, as David will probably cut it out, if it somehow misses his filter, go ahead and send us a... Uh, uh, email to let us know we have, we have done... Yeah, let's not pretend at, my filter is that reliable. Um, uh, email address to reach us for not only corrections, you could say things that aren't corrections in our email too. They're, they're most, they're, they're much, well, you know, I enjoy them a lot more, Yeah, but, uh, that's Mark's madness pod at gmail.com. Uh, 
if you would prefer to word that correction in under 200 something characters or however many you get on twitter these days uh feel free to head over to twitter and uh and put something on the timeline or get the dms because they're open um and that's at mark's madness pod on twitter uh, and if you would prefer write a long form essay, uh, that I can respond to in real time as we go back and forth and other people can talk about, and you can have a good old fun, you know, communist conversation, uh, come on into discord. The link is in our Twitter bio when it's working. Sometimes it just decides to stop working. If it does that, just shoot me an email or a Twitter DM and be like, Hey, give me that discord link and, uh, hop on in and talk to people. Uh, it's fun. It's nice. You get a group of like-minded people and you don't have to deal with the rest of the bullshit that's on Twitter. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it's good times. The hell site is a hell site. I, the hell site's I, I a hell site. I don't. I don't do the Discord thing, but I will admit the hell site's a hell site. Yeah, no. David just suffers the hell site uh, as as the good trooper that he is. But that being said, David, disclaimer time. Oh yeah. Uh, so something you know, I always wanted to stress uh, with this show is, of course, we certainly hope that something you're doing is being part of a party or any kind of organization that has a radical reading group and you are reading these books along and having discussions on the side and this is an enhancement to discussions another reading through the book uh, another discussion of the content and so that you can better drive it home and have more context and more input uh, to share with the people around you and to internalize yourself save that uh, if you're either in a reading club that is reading something else um, or and you're just reading it on your own or you're just reading it on your own period, hopefully we can be your discussion group. Uh, if in cases of books like this where we read it word for word and we are your ebook or in cases where we uh, have books that we summarize and we're your cliff notes, any way we can make this theory more accessible to you because uh, theory is vitally important. Um, always remember that theory is vitally important in the name of praxis and theory is there to sharpen praxis and praxis is theory in action. Uh, so without praxis, theory is useless and without uh, theory, uh, praxis is a boat without a rudder and you could be steering yourself in a very dangerous direction uh, or wasting a lot of your effort out there. Um, so always remember that the two are tied at the hip and never, ever, ever let yourself separate them. That has been our ever-changing and evolving disclaimer. Uh, <laughs> I don't exactly have a script, so I mean, I, know, I, I just li- try to I like say that. what's true it, because yeah. I don't know what I said before, but I know what's true, and yeah, I'm just, hopefully we, okay enough with words. Yeah, no, words words good. Words good and fun. That being said, uh, it's been Mark's Madness. My name is Nathan. My name's David. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.